Well, the doors are closing. I guess that's my sign there. That's my cue. Uh, well, good evening, everyone. I'm glad everyone's able to be here uh, this evening. Uh, we're going to continue our study that we've been having uh, this quarter. Um, for those who are visiting, um, we have been studying about Satan and knowing your adversary and getting to know who he is, uh, his history, and the different devices that he uses uh, or can use on us um, as we walk on this earth. And so last week we talked about examples of failure and looking at examples of, of those who uh, didn't quite respond the best way uh, in times of temptation or trial. And this week is going to be examples of faith. Um, so Chad, when we were figuring out um, who was going to teach what, as he mentioned last week, uh, examples of failure in, in faith were still left on the table. And I'm like, I'm going to take that one. You take, you take, you take the failure. I'll take the faith. Uh, but uh, I've enjoyed the study here. Uh, my, my hope tonight is, is we're going to look at two examples. Um, we could look at a number of examples of faith and really just be here all night. And rather than looking at a lot of them very quickly, I'd rather like to dissect two and talk in more detail about them and hopefully pull from that some ideas and some, some things that we can use today, using them as examples to help us in our walk with God, and still use that in correlation with our theme. So I'm hoping that we're going to talk about some ways that um, we look at how Satan works, what he does uh, when interacting with us in our lives, and to show the consistency there that, that it, has, it hasn't changed. And so we can look at the, these examples of faith during their times of trial to where we could use certain qualities, we can use... Um, certain characteristics and really just examples of how they reacted for us as well to be able to imitate that. And hopefully by the end of the lesson, we'll see that that'll hopefully all come together. Um, and this only works if there's class participation. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we can get a lot of comments and feedback. If not, I usually would just defer to Stephanie and she doesn't want that. I'll just make her ask, answer every question. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. So, um, Last week, we talked about, to really set, again, the, the mindset here and, and what I want to discuss. Last week, when we talked about examples of failure, we really looked at a number of people, and it was really more so looking at specific um, moments in, in their life that we can remember when they failed. I look at that a little differently. Examples of failure to me is when we think of someone, or if I say a name, you think it negatively. If I say Cain, do you think of an example of failure or faith? When I say Judas, are you thinking positively or negatively? When I say Paul, do you think positive or negatively? When I say Enoch or Elijah, so for me, it's more so when we look at the life of these individuals and we look at their body of work throughout their life and their walk with God, do we see a result of faithfulness or a result of failure? 
Because at the end of the day, and we mentioned this last week, we all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. So if we use that as a precedent, then we're all failures. I don't think we can find encouragement in that. So only one perfect. <clears throat> there's only one. So tonight we're going to look at two examples of what I believe to be examples of faith in people that we, two individuals we can look at and pull from, pull information from of well, how, why were they considered faithful? What went on with their lives? What happened to them that would be the same to us in times of trial that we can that we can use and learn to hopefully put in our lives to where we would be considered examples of faith with those around us in, in our life. So again, although we fail, are we remembered for being steadfast in our love for God, just like examples of faith? We talked about last week how those who are considered failures are those who practice sinning. They had this 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 continual practice of sinning, there's no effort to correct that. Um, but instead, we should practice righteousness and be considered faithful. So the two I want to look at um, are ones that we typically would go to, uh, but I think there's a lot to learn. Um, the first one's going to be Job. So the first one will be Job. No specific passage that I want to focus on or we're looking at. And we could look at the book of Hebrews and uh, look at the, the, the history of faith, all the examples of faith there. But we're going to look at Job here. So if you would, go ahead and open up to Job chapter 1. I've got a few questions that will help direct our thoughts through, through this. Um, Job is a big one. And that's usually one that we can think of right away when thinking about someone who was faithful and yet someone who endured trials. And someone we can look to as an example of of, of, of Satan and, you know, what that looks like and how he works in our lives and, um, you know, how, how he responds to that. Um, and so, again, we, we can learn so much from Job, um, but I'm going to ask a few questions to pull some things that I have seen in this study that maybe I haven't looked so much in the past about and then hopefully correlate that with our second example. So... When we look at Job, and just right away when we just kind of get an idea of who he is, going back to what is he known for being? What, what's that, when I say Job, what do you think of? Um, what was Job known for? When we read about him right away, what was his, what was his reputation? Blameless and upright. <clears throat> Blameless and upright. What else? Blessed. Rich and blessed. One who feared God and turned away from evil. So he's a man that has a reputation, a good one, one for being blameless, upright, walked with God. But it says that he feared God and turned away from evil. Well, what does it mean to turn away from evil? What are your thoughts on that? Well, we all have choices to make when we're faced with any number of decisions. <laughs> and we, there's, there's always an evil side to any decision. 
he made a decision within himself not to do it by turning over. So we, good comment, and we can use that as um, knowing that if we read further into this and knowing the trials that he's, he's about to endure, that he, he constantly does that. He turns over. We don't know much about him up to this point, just, that, just the fact that he was considered blameless, righteous, and turned away from evil. Any other thoughts? Was that So Paul, we, we, we talked about this several weeks ago, if you remember learning to say no to yourselves. Um, it was brought up in Paul. Paul brings up the point that we have this internal struggle within us. And we talked about how um, we need to be as, as to be righteous, be worrying about the things of the Spirit and living by the Spirit, whereas we are enticed by the desires of the flesh. And that, that, that's an internal struggle and war within us. And so uh, it appears that the result of turning away from evil is being led by the Spirit and, and being considered uh, faithful. Um, Job 28, verse 28, And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. In the 34th Psalm, verses 14, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So see, we hear that there's instruction for us that we should be turning away from evil <clears throat> and seeking that which is good. So right away we should understand that in order to be, at looking at these examples of faith, looking at Job specifically, it's, it's, it's being able to have that, that mindset of turning away from evil and that, and that discipline there. question around the head, so that's perfect. Um, so Satan even acknowledges that yes, he is a good man, but Satan has his reasons for that, um, to, try, to try justifying that. So um, my, my next thought is, is what, so when we're looking at Job, and it's clearly stating here from the beginning that he is um, blameless, upright, we see that he feared God and turned away from evil. When we read a little bit further along, what, what do we know about the beginning of this story? What, what, what stands out to you about Job in particular in leading up to his trials? And then what does Satan account Job's faith to? So we see here that Satan believes that, well, he's only faithful because you have this hedge around him. And you provided him all these things. He's got this large family. He's got this wealth. He's considered a rich man. But take it away, surely he'll curse you. So what, what, what do you get from that? What, what, what do you, 
Brilliant. The Job's spiritual dedication was dependent on his physical um, wherewithal. Spiritual faith is strong. You take all those things away, Satan says, take, take his physical blessing away, and you'll see his spiritual faith will diminish. Satan's hypothesis. That's right. So he thought that the success was tied to his his physical uh, physical blessings. What what also does that do you pull from that about Satan and the way that he thinks? That's the way he'll get you. Right. And it he works. can convince you that if you put your attention on obtaining obtain physical blessings, uh, your faith will be you'll have so much more ability to be faithful with yeah. those spiritual with those physical blessings. Yeah. So the underlying thing I want you to think about is exactly what was just said and when we look at this. Satan focuses on the physical. He focuses on the things of the world. And as we've spoken about last week, and if you remember our class about saying no to yourself, and even in, in different classes, this has been an underlying theme that Satan is focusing on those things that entice the flesh, that pull at us in this world and that are worldly. And we're going to keep hammering on that a little bit because I think that's a really important point. And so, how does, how does Satan, thinking about that, how does Satan um, tempt Job? Or, or how does he um, put Job through trials? What, what is based on those trials? Satan is tempting him with the physical possessions and removing that in the temptation of, well, let's see how faithful you really are. If I remove those things that make you comfortable, if I remove those things that, that are nice to have, and that one of the things that you're known for, and that wealth and that prosperity, uh, and we see him work that way. So what else do we see about Satan that can apply to us today. Does Satan, um, does Satan stop after, so he's able to, one of the things that we know is that God allows Satan to go tempt Job. And uh, God gives him certain parameters of what he's allowed to do and what allowed not to do. So when he goes and does the first the first time when he goes out to test Job 
and to try proving his point to God. How does Job respond? He passes the test. <laughs> passes the test. Does it end there? Satan wants more. He wants more. So, with us today, if we're faced with a trial that we respond well to, does that mean we're done? Trials don't end. They're going to happen. He's going to keep coming at us and keep coming at us harder. So that's something I think definitely to take note of that is the fact that he doesn't just stop after one time. He's going to, he's going to keep coming, and I almost feel like he sees that as a challenge um, when, you, when you actually don't do what he thinks you will and you, and you defeat him or defeat that particular one. Um, so how does, how does Job respond to the trials specifically? We've kind of looked at how, you know, we've looked at how he is considered faithful from what's written, how God considers him faithful, how Satan views him as being faithful. And Satan goes after these possessions thinking that's what's going to cause him to stumble. What is, what is Job's attitude towards this? So that was, that was the first trial. Again, Satan comes after him again. What is Job's response? 2 verse 10. Job 2 verse 10. So it says, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. You remember that this time that things are being taken away and, and Satan has gotten his wife in the sense that she's ready to curse God and she's telling him to do the same. So he says, speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good? You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Excuse me. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. So again, he understands that all these things came from God. That God has the right to do whatever he wishes, whenever he wishes, 
with whatever he, whatever he wants and with these possessions. That it's, again, he, he's giving credit to God and he's not tying anything, any investment up into those possessions and, and, and how he should feel or how he should serve God. But I do want to look at one thing in his response. Although he did not sin, was what Job said completely accurate? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you pay attention to the, in the last part of what he says, it says, Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? So, what, so the mistake here is he is what? He's thinking that this trial, these bad things that happened to him, came from who? Do we think that sometimes? Does the world think that? We talk about that all the time. Things go on in our lives. Something bad's happening. If there's death... Um, God. The blame typically goes to God. Or people say, well, why, how could there be a God and Him allow this to happen? That's the word I was thinking of. It's questions that get asked by people today, at least when I get asked these questions by people, is how can there be a God if He would allow bad things to good people? And of course, they've got their own definitions of what bad and good teaches the principle in the New Testament that uh, using sun, sun is positive and rain is negative. It's the sun to shine on the righteous and the unjust. The rain is to do the same. Yeah. The rain on the righteous and the, and the unrighteous. It's the way that something reacts or uses those things from God in this world. Joe had the right idea. Given all these things from God, how can he how can he not be, be grateful to God for the things he had, whether he had things or not? Yeah, and I think we see that in, in his attitude and how he responded. Was he, he did have that mindset. He did believe that. But he's thinking that no matter which react, no matter what happens, whether good or bad, the source is God. And I think that's the, the misconception. Read that a little bit differently because it says in verse except good from God and then accept adversity. It doesn't say the adversity is from God. It says good is from God. Adversity, he doesn't say where it's from. I don't think God gives adversity. God the devil is the one around giving us all this adversity. Right. God turns around and says, wait a minute, stick with me, handle this adversity, I will provide you with the good stuff. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, um, you know, if we consider ourselves a child of God, uh, does that mean that we're necessarily not going to have bad things happen to us? Uh, do we just think it's going to be good all the time? Uh, no, no that's, not, that's not true. Uh, any other thoughts? Yeah. And so, uh, but it, it, it does 
Yeah, we've talked about James uh, several times last week and throughout this quarter as well as when we studied it, that, that God cannot tempt, cannot tempt us, cannot, cannot um, cause us uh, to, to sin and, and, and to stumble. That's not, that's not who he is and not what he wants from us. Um, so, so the point there, go ahead. No, you. Well, I think the point sin came into the world. God made a proclamation that sin is going to make this a hard life. It's not going to have pain in childhood. You're going to have to sweat and labor. You're going to have all these things, but it's not because I made it. It's because sin came into the world. You rejected it. What I told you, and <clears throat> so that lays the foundation right there. <clears throat> he is good, sin is bad, and that's the result of what we've got to deal with in this life, and what we have to look forward to in the life to come. We're trying to get back in the garden. Yep. Yep. Pretty much what I was going to say, just a little differently and in, in, in a good way. So exactly right. So the, the point is, is that um, th there's going to be bad things that happen on this earth and in this life. Um, but the source of that is not God. And we, we don't put the blame on Him by, by any means. Well, you know, Satan asked if he could take his family. Satan did, he left his wife. So he can Satan can use your friends and family to manipulate you and change you. And that's what and there's a reason he left his wife. Because she tried to change him. Mm -hmm. And tried to tempt him to sin so that he could not be tempted anymore. Yeah. But not go through the drama anymore. So Satan uses friends and family to also yeah, so, so a great comment in looking at the devices of Satan and how he works. Again, another reason why Job is a good example. Look at the way that he tries to attack us is through the physical, and through possessions, through health, um, but also through um, family and friends and through loved ones. And not just from, from a standpoint of, okay, you know, he took away the life of those that he loved to try to get him to stumble. But it could be that they fall spiritually and they lose, they lose their faith. And then what struggle that could be um, in that, in, in, you know, moving forward in that relationship. Anything else? Because God didn't say he couldn't take his wife. Right. He just said don't take Joe's. Yeah, don't just Joe. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, any other comments before we move, on, move forward? All right. So, we, we, as we continue moving on, um, we know that Job, at, at the end of all of this, um, he's considered faithful. Jo Job does stumble. He does um, question God. He challenges God in the judgment that he is be that's being brought on himself. And so we know the fault of Job and then how that's handled. Um, so 
when we, when we look at the fact that he, he does stumble, but then at the end of this, he is considered um, more faithful. He's considered stronger in his faith. Um, how is that? How did he become stronger through his trials? You look at uh, the 42nd chapter. Go ahead. At some point in the book, his faith converted to the other way. His faith is converted to a fully trusting God. Anything else? I see that. So that, that's the verse that I was looking at as well when looking at Job's um, response here and seeing his faith. So we do know that God speaks to Job. He finally does have that conversation and puts Job in his place. And I think that that reaction and the fact that, that God 
answers, and answers the way that he does, I mean, we, we know clearly humbles Job, um, which, which grows his faith. But the point that, that, that I think that I see in here too is that he, he, he does get an answer. It might not have been the one that he was wanting. It wasn't a direct answer to that question that he was asking. But he does get confirmation of God and from God. And, he's, and he says here that, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. He's faithful. He knows of God. He's, he's, he's considered faithful for knowing and hearing about him and his works. Um, but now he is, he's had that communication with him. <clears throat> and now he sees him. On the flip side, so something that we can gain from that, I think we can pull from that, is his faith got stronger because he has this interaction with God, and God, God deals with it directly. What does Jesus say about those who are considered faithful? In regards to seeing versus hearing only. So if you remember Thomas, when Thomas doesn't believe that Christ is risen, not till he puts his hand in his side and into, the, into his hands is he going to believe. So when Jesus appears, John 20, verse 29, he says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I think for us to know that if our faith can be strengthened in God, in his word, and by using Job as an example and looking to these examples of faith, we too can have stronger faith without having to have the necessarily interaction or the direct contact. That's interesting. Think of Thomas and that he's thought of off the cuff as doubting Thomas. Because at one point he was ready to die for Jesus. And like Peter. Peter was ready to go to prison and to death with Yeah, he denied Jesus three times. <coughs> and with Job, it's a similar contrast and warning for us that he feared God in the beginning. Fear God is a loaded phrase. And it goes with reverence. He respected, honored God the way that he lived. And he his wisdom from God. But see with Thomas and with Peter and with Job over against.
Old Testament that God left certain things to test the people. Not to test them, but to test them, to see if they would be faithful to him. Like the, uh, you know, the Canaanite. Exactly right. So all three good comments that, that connect with, that all are very similar, they connect. And the point that I want to make is as, as we start to move, we're going to move on to our next example here. But looking at Job as, as a, again, going kind of look at it entirely, kind of pulling back and seeing some of the big picture things, is one, God allowed it to happen. So who's in control? God. But... He can't allow us to be tempted beyond our control. So what does that say about God towards us? How, how should we view trials if we have that in mind? He wants us to succeed. He wants us to succeed. But, but, but what is the possibility of that? It is possible. It's not impossible. God, God is not going to allow us to be tempted beyond our control. So God has faith in us that we are going to endure and we can make it through that trial. And that is how we also become stronger, is through the trial. We can't wish that we have no trials. We can't try walk, we're not going to be able to walk through this life as a child of God and not have trials, not have Satan after us. And the only way that we become more faithful and that we grow closer to God is by enduring those trials that He has put in front of us that we cannot, um, that we can overcome. That we, we, you know, it's not impossible for us to overcome that. So I think that's the encouraging piece is to know that even though Satan works all the time and we're enduring these trials and he's tempting us and he's throwing all these devices at us, God is faithful and we have God's faith with us to know that we can endure. And we see that with Job. Job continually, we see the perseverance, we see the endurance, we see the patience uh, in Job, the long-suffering um, that, that he endured, um, but his faith was there. It, it didn't waver. And we see how much better that worked out for Job, Job in the end. So it leads me to my second... We we're getting close to time. Leads me to my second one here. I want most of the the what I want to talk about tonight was our first example, which was Job, because um, I think it's very relatable and one that we can pull from. But the second one we've already mentioned when talking about um, some of the responses uh, from Jesus. The second example I want to look at is Jesus. So when we we look at examples of faith and all these people. We've already talked about, okay, we all sin. We all fall short. So by, by, that, me, by that measure, we're all failures. Uh, but we can look at these examples of faith like Job, someone who had some faults, who was not perfect during his trial that we can learn from. And then we look at Jesus, the one who was perfect and that one person who we can look to for strength. But I think, again, there's some commonalities between the, the trials or the temptations that Jesus endured 
as well as Job and us today that we can pull from. Um, so, how does Satan tempt Jesus? What is the nature of, the, of each temptation in Matthew chapter 4? So we're looking at Jesus now as this example of faith. <clears throat> we want to see how he reacts to temptations. How, how can we model ourselves after Jesus? How can we respond, have the same mentality, the same attitude, the same defense that Jesus has when dealing with, with uh, temptation and trials? So, the first temptation, what is, what is, what do you get from that temptation? What is it? Um, and again, kind of the same thing that we discussed with Job. Again, that same theme with Satan. What, what is Satan trying to tempt Jesus with? To me, tempting with physical hunger. Okay. So he says, if you're the Son of God, make these rocks turn into bread. And he's tempting him with food of physical fullness because he's been, he's been fasting for how long? I mean, he is... If you think, don't think that food sounded good to him at this point, you'd, you'd be crazy to think otherwise. Um, so G Jesus' response is a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3. Um, um, where is that? It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan is focusing on physical... What is Christ focused on? The spiritual. He understands the food is not is what's going to keep him full. And we see that with Jesus. Uh, he, he, he addresses this. He's addressed this before in um, John 6, verses 26 through 27, when he feeds the 4,000, and then later on the 4,000 is following him. What are they wanting? They want to be fed. They're wanting more food because physically. And he rebukes them for that. And he says, you, do you only follow me because you want to be fed physically? Uh, and then he goes and discusses that. What's the second, the, uh, the second temptation of Jesus? What is the nature of that sin? What is Satan using to tempt or entice Jesus? Power? How's that? Mm -hmm. So again, he's testing him uh, in power. In verses 5 through 6, took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. I see this as testing Jesus for who He is. He's testing His deity. He's testing Him being God, what He's claiming to be. That if He throws Himself down, then the angels will save Him. And He has control. He can, he can um, command the angels to come and get Him. What... Um, what do you notice about this specific tactic from Satan? I think it's very important. 
So think about the devices of Satan. We've talked about him looking at the physical, uh, looking at physical things, material things, um, using people in our lives. What does he use here against Jesus? Uses scripture. So, he's using the Word of God here and twisting. Where have we seen this from? How far back does this go with Satan? From the beginning. Twisting God's words. So how scary is that to think that the most deceitful person and being in the world who knows the Word can use that against us? What is, what is Jesus' defense? His response in defense to that? He uses the Word. So, Jesus being the author of that, He's able to show Him and use the Word and, and has the authority, says that with authority when responding to Satan. So for us, when we see that in the world today, which is very prevalent, one of Satan's biggest arrows in his quiver is twisting the Word. I mean, we see that with denominationalism and how we should worship God and how we should serve Him and, and how that works. We have to know God's Word and know it in and out and be meditating on it to be able to um, have a defense and respond when we have those same temptations. It's the same with us. And then what about, what about the last one in Matthew 4? Time's up. Time's up. All right. Well, time's up. I had a whole other page of notes. <laughs> All right, real quick. Um, the examples of faith made mistakes, but it grew their faith in the Lord and made them better servants of His. Uh, they were counted faithful in the work of His kingdom through perseverance, humility, and the love of God. Their desire to serve God outweighed their desires to be a part of the world. The difference between the temptations of Jesus and of Job and the other examples we can think of is that the latter failed before they can ever succeed. We too have to fail and get through those trials to succeed. So therefore, the hope is for all of us who are sinners, Romans 3.23, that through faith we can overcome. Thank you. We're out of time.